You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter? And today I'm going to have a conversation with my son, Joseph D'Agostino, in reference to some of the things he talked about last week, which I think were, were quite interesting uh, as I listened to them for the, the second time this morning. And, um, Joe, let me uh, uh, kind of summarize some of the things you, you pointed out. And uh, Before we do, though, I, I think one of the key, it, it fits into what you said, why do they hate Trump so much? There's got to be more than the fact that he's sometimes rude and crude and unpresidential, as I like to say, uh, he certainly was successful in his farm policy. Uh, his his border uh, policy was working, as opposed to what's happening with with Biden. And we'll get to that. Uh, but why do they hate Trump so much? What is it that makes them hate Trump? Joe, you there? I don't. I don't hear Joe. Farm on America's Web Radio, brought to you by Feedstuffs Food Link. I'm Ray. Uh, don't. Uh, President Obama I don't, recently you know, announced the first national day. strategy to well, promote the health of honeybees and other pollinators. So I'm. I'm. Uh, Joe, have you? Can you hear me? Joseph. I don't. I have no idea where he is. Well, I, I I'll have to <laughs> take it from uh, from from here since we've uh, apparently lost uh, lost my son, and and uh, he was talking about the real rulers of the of of the essentially of the world, uh, and uh, I don't think it's socialism that they want. I don't think that's it. Uh, do they want a global wo- world? Yeah, global government. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that they wanted patterned after the communist Chinese government. Yeah, that's true, too, and we'll talk about that uh, some more. But what they really want is uh, a corporatist. Uh, they, don't want, they don't want the government to control, directly control the, uh, the corporations. They want uh, the global corporations, the government, uh, to cooperate, along with uh, maybe big unions, big government, a, a corporatist-type approach. Uh, and you know Theodore Roosevelt. You know people think Theodore Roosevelt was a great trust buster. That's baloney. Uh, he did some in his term, but when he ran as a bull moose, he ran as a corporatist. He ran uh, advocating c- control of the economy from the center. So I think uh, people need a, a little bit more about history and, and and what really happened. Now, now is uh, is is Joe there? Yes, I can barely hear you. Oh, okay, but you okay. Well, the question I asked, and uh, can you hear me now? Just, just barely. Uh, well, the question I asked, and fitting into some of the things you said yesterday, uh, last week, was just exactly why do you think they hated Trump so much, and they still hate him. I mean, he was rude. Yes, he's crude. He's unpresidential in his language. He had ridiculous Twitters, and he picked fights he didn't have to pick, little petty anti-things. But why? That's that's not reason they hate him. Why do they hate him? 
I think for those in the know, it's kayfabe. Kayfabe is a term used for professional wrestling where the professional wrestlers pretend to hate each other because it's part of the show, right? The the ridiculous things they say about each other and beating their chests and, and all that. Um, and they're supposed to stay in character, right? They're supposed to play the terrible villain or the, ter- or the great hero or this character, that character, right? The undertaker, the this, that. And uh, it's the this sort of, you know, posturing, right? Um, and I think it's mostly just posturing. I mean, uh, Trump is always a member of the billionaire class or, you know, long has been a member of the billionaire class and part of the club giving money to the Clintons and uh, hanging out with all the right people. And I don't think uh, he ever presented this threat to the establishment that people like to think he did. I, I think he did a few good things and uh, so on. You know, I voted for him. But uh, when you're the alternatives or people like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, it's not that hard to vote for him. So I think it's really, you know, the usual sort of conservative Republican or populist Republican now thing of someone who's not as quite as bad as the other people, but they pretend that he's their second coming of Hitler, right? And remember, they called George W. Bush Hitler, and they called George W. Bush and his supporters Nazi. Well, I, I remember that, and of course, uh, that was <clears throat> obviously uh, absurd. But let's go back to Trump. I think he was a threat. I think that in, in, there there are things that Trump believed, things that Trump knew, uh, that uh, and things he wanted to really change. And I think uh, he was a threat uh, to to the, um, uh, the the global the globalists. I mean, just putting on tariffs on Chinese goods made him an enemy of China. And if you're an enemy of China, you're an enemy of the global companies because they well, want they want that market. It's simply not true. He did the lockdowns to support the lockdowns that China wanted. Uh, China was the source of the you know the original idea to to lock down and quarantine healthy people, which uh, many say has never before happened in history. Right, so first time in thousands of years. So. Um, he did the, the lockdowns that were so uh, completely counterproductive, obviously cost lives, didn't save any lives. It's not disputable at this point. And uh, harmed the economy, harmed children's education, harmed all kinds of people's psychological health as well as their physical health, etc. right? So he did what China wanted, right? So to call him enemy of China, I don't think, you know, yeah, he did some things with the tariffs, you know, a few things like that. But the fact is, because of the last year of Trump's presidency, China is much stronger than it was before. Right? China is the only major economy that grew last year instead of shrunk. Right? Uh, China is now on the march all around the world, and this was happening while Trump was still president, intimidating various countries around the world, and concluding uh, more uh, trade agreements and other uh, agreements with countries around the world. Um, economy is doing extremely well compared to all other major economies and most smaller economies because they didn't lock down so very briefly in one province, uh, one province, um, and uh, so on and so forth. So you, you know this this idea again, the rhetoric and the reality are two very different things. And because Trump had good rhetoric, people were impressed. But you look at the results, right? Uh, it's it's not so impressive. Um, you know. Even the Trump economy. Well, who ruined the Trump economy? Trump ruined the Trump economy. Okay, so I think it's uh, mostly posturing. I think it's just you know you you control both sides. You know you've got the Democrats or the Harlem Globetrotters and the Republicans or the Washington Generals, and it's the job of the Washington Generals to lose to the Harlem Globetrotters. But they need to put on a good show first, right? People will pay for the show. 
So I think that's the Democratic Party and uh, the Republican Party. Now, of course, some people, you know, the less intelligent people, the people not as much on the inside, genuinely thought Trump was the second coming of Hitler, or at least uh, potentially was. You know, they genu- genuinely thought that, you know, fascism and this and that and the other thing. I mean, because people, I mean, these are the same people who think COVID is a serious threat to those under 60. These are the same people who think uh, white supremacy is what's making black people attack Asian people in the inner cities, right? They, you know, so these people are, you know, highly superstitious. We live in a highly superstitious age, a highly irrational age. People are not nearly as clear-thinking and rational as they used to be in the 19th century, or even more so, they were much more rational and clear-thinking, like the Middle Ages and ancient times, right? And so, you know, we live in an exceptionally irrational, superstitious age, and people believe all this nonsense because somebody on TV with some authority or wearing a lab coat or something says something he's being paid to say by our rulers, right, by the ultra-rich, and therefore it must be true, and if you disagree with it, there's something wrong with you, because the man on TV said it, right? So, you know, we have a lot of people who believe all this stuff about Trump, and they genuinely hate Trump because they believe the superstitious nonsense, right? So they believe that, but the superstitious nonsense is encouraged by people at the top who know how the game really works. And one of the things they certainly know is that politicians just aren't that important because they don't make any of the really important decisions. Well, it's interesting because, of course, what you just said it kind of helps to explain all the censorship. I mean, doctors from Harvard, from Stanford, from John Hopkins, who who uh, who dissented from the uh, accepted wisdom of Dr. Fauci and the World Health Organization, uh, were constantly censored and censored and removed or deplatformed, as they say, from the tech giants. Right, and they still are, right? Dr. Martin Kaldorf was censored a couple of weeks ago. He's a professor at Harvard Medical School. Um, and uh, for saying that people with, uh, that not everyone needs to take the COVID vaccine, people who've already had it and recovered have natural immunity, they don't need to take it, and children don't need to take it, right? So those are two groups of people who don't need to take it. And he was censored for that. And he actually posted on, you know, this is on Twitter, he's censored on Twitter. And he posted, you know, something, you know, Twitter cites vaccine experts who say everyone needs to take the vaccine. I would like Twitter to name any of these vaccine experts, right? Because he actually is an expert, right? So the last I checked, Twitter had not come up with any names, right? So Twitter is just saying that experts say this. They don't even bother anymore to even provide any names of the experts supposedly saying these things, right? So it's all BS. It's all the protection of the narrative of the rich and powerful. It's all the protection of the narrative of the deep state and the billionaires and the pharmaceutical companies and the banks and what's you know, it, so on and so forth. Joe, what's in it for them? What's what's in for all this lying? And I think the, obviously the the lying is is intentional. We we have the example of the of the what happened to Major League Baseball in Georgia and the attacks on the Georgia election law, which is nothing unique about it. There's nothing different about it. And it's more permissive than a lot of other states. And we know that they're lying about it. And they know they're lying. And they have a reason. And the reason, obviously, is they want to use the lies about Georgia to convince people that H.R. 1 has to be passed in the in the Senate. And we'll get to that a little bit later. So so they, and they know they're lying. And... and and I'm not sure the 24-year-old, 25-year-old who who uh, who works for Twitter and takes his stuff off knows that he's a fool and he's being played for a sucker. But um, 
someone in there is, 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 is making those decisions or following orders to, to, to propagate these lies. Right, and it's, a, it's obviously highly coordinated across huge numbers of companies, huge numbers of government agencies, state and federal, huge numbers of celebrities, you know, local school districts, etc. So it's obviously a very centrally controlled operation because everyone's on the same page, right? Again and again on various issues, whether it's the Georgia law or trans rights or immigration or abortion, uh, you know, what have you, right? So, you know, they all agree. And to some extent, it's they all agree because they're like lemmings who think the same, right? So it doesn't take a lot of control. Really, the way the world works, the way people work, is based on prestige and power. A few people at the top, and everyone else falls into line, right? So one of the things, one of the superstitions of our age, and conservatives in particular like this, is belief in democracy, the belief that things come from the bottom up, the belief that men are, you know, by and large, independent thinkers who can come to their own decision, you know, own, own conclusions about politics and society. And this is nonsense. And, you know, every intelligent, wise person for thousands of years has said that's nonsense, right? Um, the Bible says that's nonsense. So it's it's just not how people work. People just follow power. They follow prestige. They don't like to think about anything. Most people don't like to think anything uh, about anything beyond their own immediate experience, such as politics or vaccine well, or something like that. <coughs> And, and they just do as they are told, especially when the people at the top control the incentives, right? If you do, if you say what you're supposed to say, you're more likely to get promoted, you're more likely to advance in your career, be socially accepted by the fashionable people, and so on. Okay, I think what you just said is the, about socially accepted. I think it's a lot of, for a lot of people, it's about status, how to maintain their status, and to maintain their status, they have to go along with the people that seem to have the prestige and the power, and it's not so much they're told what to do, they do it because they're concerned about their status. We're up against a break. We'll be right back after the break. Hello. My name is Colonel Retired Rick White, a United States Army veteran, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I would like to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you are a Georgia veteran, and the Georgia veteran's definition is you are either born in this state or you lived in the state 10 years, or you raised your right hand and joined the military in the state of Georgia, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to your website at www.gmvhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. Nominations need to be in by the last Friday in August each year. Again, if you're a Georgia veteran, or you're a friend or family member of a Georgia veteran, living or deceased, please consider nominating that veteran is highly noble and rare Hall of Fame for our great state. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero. 
that you may know. And thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Professor Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter, and I'm talking with my son, Joseph D'Agostino, who had a most interesting show uh, in my absence last week. And we're trying, and I'm kind of pressing him on the the Trump hatred. I don't share his uh, opinion that Trump was one of the one of the gang. I think that he did things that uh, really offended the other billionaires, the global corporations, the the tech giants, the Jeff Bezos, our real rulers. Uh, which include Jeff Bezos of Amazon and Zuckerberg of Facebook and Sergey Brim and uh, Larry Parker uh, uh, and and they're the and Gates Bill Gates Microsoft uh, Google of course Larry Brim uh, uh, Larry Parker and Sergey Brim are, are Google uh, they're part of that and of course they they <coughs> they're very active in the censorship area. And they're very active in, in promulgating lies about things because they shut down medical doctors, people from Harvard who would disagree about, who would disagree with, uh, you know, St. Fauci about things. Uh, of course, you never know what he, he really believes. He changes his mind every couple of weeks. But um, let, let's go back to this. Let's assume, and, and, uh, and Joseph, I think you're right about this, that uh, the idea is uh, control the world through Marxist, uh, uh, cultural Marxism, instead of uh, necessary all class animosity, you have identity politics, you have uh, ethnic and religious animosity, people are, are, are divided, and, and there's a good reason for that, yeah, divide and conquer the old world. And of course, economically, if you want to concentrate economic power, uh, I, I look at this as a corporatist attempt where uh, rather than if socialism essentially is about the government nationalizing industry, uh, this is about the government uh, protecting the, the global corporations uh, in, in their domination of the world. And one of the things that I think they res- resented Trump for was some of his policies, which included some of his tariffs, included his encouragement of, of uh, manufacturing to return to the United States would be the distribution of property. And the last thing the left wants is the growth of smaller businesses and the distribution of property and and, and productivity, as you mentioned uh, on, on the show last week. Uh, people actually producing what they what they use or locally producing things for their neighbors the idea of of distribution of property and and uh, economic self-sufficiency means a distribution of power and that they can't do so they have to destroy small business and they did a good job of that uh, encouraging the rioting and the looting uh, through through their uh, you know through through Various t- union thugs and Antifa, who, who organized some of the worst, worst rioting and worst looting we had. Uh, what about that? What about Trump's role in uh, in in encouraging the, the regrowth of economic community? But that isn't true, right? Um, at the uh, end of uh, 2020, 
right? Um, billionaires, the billionaires have made an extra $4 trillion, right? I mean, the, the, the huge wealth transfer from the middle class and small business owners to the ultra-rich was really enormous, right? And that was all under Trump, because Trump did the, the lockdowns, as the Chinese government told him to do, so he went and did the lockdowns, and he... Uh, I don't think it was the Chinese thing. government that told him what to do. It was uh, his advisors, and I think uh, he... Who chose, who chose his advisors? So he did all these things, right? He didn't choose Fauci, World Health Organization, he didn't choose those. I think you might look into Jared Kushner and various business deals that Jared Kushner is involved with, right? Okay. So... Trump did as he was told, uh, and we see the results, right? So, yeah, we had three years of, you know, relatively, you know, compared to recent decades, relatively good economic uh, results, and then all wiped out and more, you know, wiped out and made much worse by the last year of Trump's presidency. I mean, if he, if he had been serious, he would have said no to the lockdowns. He would have said, no, forget that. We're not doing this, and so on and so forth. It's not what he did. So... The billionaires made $4 trillion last year, $4 trillion increase in their uh, net worth. Uh, almost exactly the same uh, amount lost uh, by middle class and working class people. And so uh, it was a huge wealth transfer. So Trump's wealth transfer was not to working class, middle class, and small business people. His wealth transfer ended up being to the billionaire class, right, that he served. You have to see just how effective the Trump psyop has been on uh, conservatives. Um, you know, you, so many conservatives are just obsessed with the person of Donald Trump, right? Just like liberals are, just so obsessed with the person and personality of Donald Trump, right? That is not what we should be focused on. We should be focused on the results for the American people. You know, is freedom expanding or contracting? Is prosperity and expanding and in, in, in financial independence, economic independence, like for small business? Is that expanding or contracting? Uh, are people happier than before? Are children getting uh, better educated or worse educated? Is crime going up or crime going down? You know, all these sorts of things, right? Those are the things we should be focused on. I mean, focused on the personality of Trump really distracts from all these other things and really distracts because Trump knows how to talk to conservative and working class people and say the right things, really distracts from his actual record, which after four years, because of that last year, was a really terrible record. His presidency was a really terrible presidency. I mean, you know, I still voted for him in 2020 because, you know, I knew that Biden and Harris would do the things that they have been doing, right? Just the last few months have been a disaster for the country, policy-wise, economically, culturally, for the military, etc. right? They've done really terrible things in just a few months they've been uh, in office. Uh, and, you know, I expected that. And, you know, Trump also, I have to say, amuses me. And I'm amused by how he annoys so many liberals. I do enjoy that. Uh, he's certainly much more fun than these other politicians who are very boring. <laughs> Biden is so boring. Harris is so boring. Um, but the fact, the idea that he was going to save America or make America great again, well, maybe after the first three years, you could still have believed that. But after his disasters last year, I just don't think it's possible. He, he chooses very poor advisors. He did not change those advisors. He had four years to change those advisors. He did not do that. He, he listened to the wrong, all the wrong stuff on the lockdowns and um, this and that and, and the other thing. And uh, now, you know, he didn't make sure voter fraud was taken care of. It was very possible. 
I think, to have prevented the kind of voter fraud that resulted in his loss. And he just didn't spend, his campaign did not spend uh, the money on that that they could have, even though they had plenty of money. No, I agree with I that. Think I, I think so. In some, I think it is time to move on from Trump and focus on other things, other people. And in particular, of course, I think that we need to think about separation. Like Christians and conservatives need to move to red parts of the country, make them redder, take over state and local governments there to defend freedom, what's left of it, prosperity from the federal government, and think about a day when we can, through a legal and constitutional and peaceful process, with a negotiated settlement with the other states or the federal government, uh, separate the country into several different countries. And in the American Christian nation that I would, that I envision and would like to see happen, would be run on Christian principles. We would have distributism as a policy. That's a Catholic idea where each person or family owns its own means of production, owns small business or farm or professional office, insofar as that's feasible. Not everyone's going to be able to do that, of course. Uh, and uh, obviously have gun rights completely protected and, and, and you know, abortion outlawed and et cetera. And I really think that's the future because the left is just getting worse. Some people predicted that once Trump was out of office, the left and Democrats would get more rational. Well, obviously the opposite has happened, and they're going to continue to dial up, dial up, and they're going to continue to get worse. And I assure you, I can promise you, insofar as anything in this world can be known with certainty, <laughs> that they will continue to get worse for the foreseeable future. And so really the, the positive solution is to move away from those who are part of the system and, and build outside the system. Well, it's a couple of things you said I, th- I think are not possible. Uh, people can't go back to the what, what is called the Jeffersonian ideal of little farms and what have you. Uh, although, of course, uh, I, I think that there was a, uh, as an attempt by, by Trump to to uh, reinstitute the sense of community, you know, the old grocery stores, the old the shops uh, destroyed by you know Walmart, for example, uh, and that brings up an interesting point that this um, uh, this let's say antitrust laws used to be concerned with concentration of power, economic power, and that changed. Uh, that started to change actually uh, under the uh, the law and economics people, including uh, Bork, and uh, somewhat under the Reagan administration, but it really changed under the Clinton administration, which shifted the emphasis from an antitrust from the concentration of power into what they called efficiency, the, the, the old uh, Mussolini idea of... Uh, concentrating uh, authority in the experts, let them run the country, the big corporations, because they can do it more efficiently than small businesses uh, split up around the country. So this idea of antitrust became, instead of concerned with concentrations of power, it really became an issue of efficiency, which they translated to mean lower prices for consumers. And uh, that's an interesting uh, angle on this. And and, the, and, the, and I think intuitively, without really knowing what he was doing exactly, uh, Trump saw that. And one of the reasons he wanted to bring back manufacturing was because people would stay where the factories were instead of joining the uh, f- faceless uh, workers of the major major co- corporations, uh, uh, global corporations particularly. You know, you take a look at... Uh, uh, 
20 years ago, the the number one company uh, in terms of uh, market capitalization, that's the value of shares being traded times the uh, the, uh, price of the share, was ExxonMobil. And they actually produced something. They they drove for oil. They produced gasoline. They produced uh, 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 hydrocarbons for plastic. Now they're not even in the uh, in in the Dow Industrial. They're not even among the thirty Dow Industrials. They've been dropped from that. Dominated by these service and, and middle the middle middle people, uh, the people who who. Uh, uh, connect the producers with the public. Uh, middlemen. Uh, uh, Amazon is largely a middleman. Uh, I want some, your reaction to some of that. When we get back, we're up against the break. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter with my son Joseph D'Agostino. And I was just making the point that nowadays the antitrust laws are designed to protect big business, protect the concentration of economic power, and rather than, rather than to, to challenge the concentration of power and to dissipate economic power to uh, many, many, many companies. Uh, I mean... Let's face it, Amazon, Google, Facebook, they, they almost operate as monopolies, and, and there's no challenge to them. They, they operate, actually operate as monopolies. Uh, Uber, for example, uh, they're backed by the SoftBank and some other major foreign banks, the uh, Saudi Arabian uh, f- uh, Fund, Sovereign Fund, and, and they funded Uber. They funded Uber's losses so that Uber could force the small cab companies, the local cab companies, out of business, and therefore have a free reign in in, uh, in transportation, pay transportation. And those of you who use Uber or Lyft, notice your prices going up uh, now that they are in a position uh, with uh, to limit their competition, uh, thanks to the uh, government protection of these monopolies. Uh, and and, and the, the excuse is, well, you know, this is more efficient. If, if these big companies can show that they can do things more efficiently, whatever that means, part of it means lower, price, lower prices. Uh, how they can prove it's lower prices long term 
because the idea of a monopoly is, is, to, is to be able to raise prices, which, of course, is, they do eventually. Amazon's doing it. Uber's done it. They're, they're raising prices. So this idea of the government protecting the, the uh, global corporations, protecting the billionaires, and I think the interpretation of antitrust laws is exactly that. What do you think, Joseph? Yes, that's been a big part of it. As so often the case, conservatives have been responsible for so much of the destruction of conservative ideas. And I, I think it's much more realistic to return to the original idea of America, which was distributism, right? The original idea of so many of the founding fathers, not just Jefferson, and um, have the small producers, because right now the laws and the taxes uh, favor uh, the big corporations, right? They don't pay estate taxes, they have, they can afford to hire armies of lawyers, and, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, they're insulated from a lot of liability, and they get to rely on quasi-slave labor in foreign countries, right? Um, if we impose tariffs equivalent to the uh, lack of uh, labor, you know, to, to balance the lack of labor protections in countries like China and the lack of environmental regulations in countries like China compared to the United States, that's how we would equalize, right, a lot of these labor costs. As long as it's the way it is now, then, of course, companies can go where the lowest labor costs are, and those are always going to be whether it's slave labor or quasi-slave labor and few regulations to protect the environment or anything else, right? So this has been going on for decades. Conservatives have, by and large, supported it, so I think they're responsible for the hollowing out of America as much as anybody else, and also responsible for the rise of China, which, of course, is now quite literally taking over the world, including our own government. <laughs> Oh, well, they obviously had, had control of the government. I mean, they controlled the Biden family, for Pete's sakes. Right. So, in other words... But where they, did they get their money from? They got the so Biden's much of their money. From China. They got their money from trading with the United States, investing yeah. in the United States, and to a lesser extent, uh, the rest of the Western world, such as Europe. So, now they're, they've got the whip hand, and now they're ascendant. America is uh, crumbling culturally, economically, and politically. And the future, globally speaking, you know, is Chinese. I don't think anything's going to stop that. So we need to think about what we're going to do for those people who still would like a Christian society, at least somewhat, who would still would like uh, you know sort of distributed prosperity and independent uh, ownership, you know, liberty, you know, being able to speak, <laughs> right, being able to own a firearm, uh, being able to go to church, not just when the government says you're allowed to, but whenever you want to go to church, right. Uh, allowed to see your own family and friends in your own home. You know, I, I live in Virginia, where for a while it was uh, against uh, the law to have more than 10 people in, you know, who didn't live in your home, at least, be at home or even on your property, even outside, right? even if they were your own family and friends. Right? 10 people is the limit. So um, people who want that need to, to take action. Take action does not mean complain on Twitter. It does not mean write your congressman, right? But actually take action to, I think, you know, I think the thing to do is, again, to move to be around other like-minded people, people who value Christianity, who value liberty, who value independent businesses and farms and government leaving you alone when it should, uh, and to build those because, you know, I think we, we need to understand the, the left is, and the, and the left includes the corporations and the banks and the government, right, or vice versa, depending on how you want to look at it. They're not going to stop until they get their totalitarian, Marxist, Chinese-style state, right? That's what they want. They're not going to stop. You cannot compromise with them. They're not going to be satisfied with anything less than total power. And if you don't want them to have that, 
your option really is to either overthrow them, get rid of them somehow. I don't see that. I don't see that as being wise or feasible. I think we know voting doesn't work. I think the the solution is separation, so that people who think differently, you know, like I like to say, you know, liberals can have their own country and they can spend the rest of eternity screaming racist at each other. I mean, that's what they want to do. They can go do that, right? I, I think that Christian American and Christian sympathetic American need to plan to do something else separate from liberals and socialists and Marxists and so on. Well, I think there's, of course, a couple of points you've made. Obviously, the the uh, big corporations and including this whole shift in antitrust law to so-called efficiency and globalization has been, of course, treating labor as a commodity, just another commodity. And you go where the commodities are cheapest, right? That's where you buy. So you, you send your factories to China, to, to certain places in Asia like Malaysia, Bangladesh, certain African countries, because as you talk, talked about, you're using, you're using in China quasi-slave labor, in other parts of the world using more inexpensive labor. And so if, if, if labor is a commodity, and, and, and unfortunately the libertarians' influence on the Republican Party has uh, influenced that kind of view. Uh, this kind of free trade. Uh, I, I, many years ago, I pointed out to uh, uh, Pete Dupont in um, when he was thinking about running for president, a uh, former governor of Delaware, that how could he be for all this free trade when what would happen is the wages would start to equilibrium would form, and our wages would go down, wages in other countries would go up. Uh, because they get to an equilibrium because that's what happens with commodities in a free market. And we spend a lot of money on environmental stuff and labor safety and all that stuff. And I made that point uh, many years ago. It was I fell on deaf ears, of course. Uh, and so my, <clears throat> I always take issue with my libertarian friends who, who uh, believe in no economic... Uh, uh, regulation and no economic regulation, just as long as it's efficient. Just as long as what? Just as long as the claim for lower prices, what is the price in liberty? What's the price in community values in, in having Walmart destroy all the comp- the the, uh, uh, the small uh, businesses? And the answer to that I get is, well, then people can afford things. Well, people can afford more stuff. More, and, and, and including all sorts of stuff they don't need. It's like uh, going into a, uh, a home that lives on welfare, and what do they have in their home? They have a premium cable channel. Uh, there's health care? No, they don't have health care, but they got a, they're not paying for health care, but they got a premium uh, a channel. So I, I think uh, you, what you're saying, this, this necessary separation, I wonder if it can be done. I wonder if really can be done when, when the left has de, has um, defined free will as giving in to your biological urges rather than controlling them so you can make rational decisions. I wonder. Well, I, I think people are going to have to recognize that they're going to actually have to do something, right? Sitting around and waiting for someone else, like Donald Trump, to do something has not worked. It's not likely to, right? So the places in the country where there's still red, where there's still a sense of independence and resistance, like the Mountain West, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, places like that, Appalachia, where I currently live, you know, 
Um, I think that uh, people have to, to realize that uh, I think people have already hopefully realized that living in a big city is not a good idea anymore. We may be seeing a lot of those riots again soon, right? I think living in a big city is very unwise for most people, um, just from a personal safety and property safety perspective. Um, and so people need to you know, move out uh, of those sorts of places. You know, advantage of the whole remote working thing is people can move to small towns and rural areas and still work for a large corporation if they need to, headquartered in a big city, without having to live in that big city. I, I, I have a question. Um, so I think people need to recognize they're going to have to move, they're going to have to plan, they're going to have to organize to protect themselves because the current institutions that we rely on for these things have been failing for decades, and now almost all of them are completely captured by the billionaire Marxist class. I have a question, Joseph. Why, why do the Democrats not only allow but even encourage the rioting and the looting in the cities they control, Minneapolis, Seattle, Los Angeles, Portland, now New York, they... they, 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 they not only do they allow and encourage the the the, uh, the rioting and the looting uh, by their actions or lack of actions, uh, some of the cities are overrun with the homeless living on the streets and and uh, polluting neighborhoods. There was a story in the on the news the other day about uh, the encampment of the homeless uh, at at a school, for peace sakes, at a middle school. Uh, they're they're uh, uh, around there, the, the lawns of a middle school. Uh, why are they allowing this? What's the purpose? Of, and they're doing it intentionally. They lie intentionally. They've lied about COVID. They've lied about things like uh, you can get COVID by touching things, which is baloney. Uh, the lockdowns is a big lie that most masks are worthless in, in most circumstances. And they know they're lying. So the question is why they, and of course a lot of people believe them. That I, I just have to go to a grocery store and the panic on people's face if you pass them too close, even if you're wearing a mask. But uh, why are they doing this? Why are they allowing this to happen? The murders in New York. You know, they want to take guns away from law-abiding citizens, but they don't want to take guns away from criminals. Why? Well, it's more than allowing. I mean, the, the money for Antifa and BLM comes from the ultra-rich. Right? It comes from the big corporations and the big nonprofit foundations founded by or controlled by billionaires in the deep states. Right. So the, the control of the money is coming from these places. And so they're not just allowing the riots. They, they actually fund the people doing the riots. Right. They, certainly haven't, they certainly haven't cut off that funding since last summer. Right. No. Um, so if they were displeased with it, I'm sure they would have cut off the funding, but they, but they haven't. Um, in fact, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter just bought a uh, $1.4 million estate near Los Angeles. Ah, uh, becoming a capitalist, right? <laughs> it's a it's an area which is uh, a 1.4% black, by the way. Right, of course. Anyway, the uh, it's hard for people to understand why, because this, this again, is a, is a spiritual fight between God and Satan, between good and evil. And a lot of people, because they, they're so embedded in the matrix, even people who call themselves Christians, do not think in a biblical way. You know, the biblical way portrays the world as a struggle between good and evil, between God and, and the devil, right? And uh, instead, conservatives think that the world is a struggle between freedom and tyranny, or a struggle over money, or, 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 or you know, rational self-interest. It's one of the most ludicrous ideas that people actually follow on rational self-interest. Um, and, uh, and so they're not thinking in a biblical, spiritual way. 
And so the people at the top, right, as St. Paul says, we strive not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? So there are powerful spiritual forces at work in people who are, you know, the elite people It's long been for centuries involved in the occult, involved in Satanism. It's not a secret. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's all been open, published, and admitted to for a very long time. Um, Hold on. We're up against a break. We'll be right back with that thought and with uh, a couple of other interesting thoughts. Go. Okay. Hello. My name is Colonel Retired Rick White, a United States Army veteran, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I would like to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. If you are a Georgia veteran, and the Georgia veteran's definition is you were either born in this state or you lived in the state 10 years or you raised your right hand and joined the military in the state of Georgia, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to your website at www.gmvhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. Nominations need to be in by the last Friday in August each year. Again, if you're a Georgia veteran or you're a friend or family member of a Georgia veteran, living or deceased, please consider nominating that veteran to this highly noble and rare Hall of Fame for our great state. Thank you so much. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter with my son Joseph. And I want to get back to the, the question again as why are the Democratic Party allowing the cities they control to be destroyed? Just, I mean, it's just a question of evil or is it a question, is there, is there a method to that madness? What do they hope to get out of destroying New York City and Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland, at least the inner city parts of those? those uh, I mean, Manhattan is, uh, people don't go out at night anymore. Uh, what was the uh, advice in, in Manhattan by the uh, security people? If you go out, always take um, $1,500 with you. So uh, when you get mugged, uh, you have money and so they won't kill you. I'm serious. Right. Well, maybe that uh, maybe that does work. So, yes, I, I do believe the ultimate goal is hatred, based in hatred, and the goal is destruction. So it's not money, it's not power, right? The ultimate goal is that destruction flowing from that hatred, you know, the hatred of Satan for God and for God's creation. 
and they particularly, of course, hate Christians in any society that reminds them of Christianity. A lot of the people at the top are apostate Christians, atheists, uh, anti-Christian Jews, and so on, who really hate Christian civilization, right? And so they want to see it in particular destroyed. But the whole basis of Western civilization's Christianity, uh, which arose out of uh, Judaism, and what's the Paul's letter to the Galatians about uh, there is no uh, male or female, no slave or master in Christ? I mean, there's no greater statement several places in the in the New Testament uh, of uh, equality of people and colorblindness. Okay, again, you're making a mistake. They don't believe in that stuff. They don't believe in equality. They don't believe in empowering the working class. They don't believe in helping black people. Right? That's just the rhetoric. That's just the show, right? Um, they don't care about any of those things. That's just this is just for use, right? I mean, they wouldn't be burning down black neighborhoods if they cared about black people. I mean, can you can you name a single black person that BLM has actually helped, other than these professional activist types who've got to become multimillionaires, who, you know, from the white liberal money from New York being given to them, right? You know, burning down, you know, the only grocery store in a black neighborhood, cutting the budget of the local police department has been disastrous for black people over the past, you know, ever since last summer, right? As well as the previous efforts at it. So, you know, again, it has nothing, you know, are they advancing equality? I mean, you know, look at the economic equality now. It's, it's less than that than it was before. In the blue states, the more, most unequal, the more, the bluer the state, the more unequal it is, right, economically. They don't believe anything that they say, right? Just like with gun violence. Almost everyone murdered with a gun in this country is murdered with a handgun. But what are they focusing on? They're focusing on rifles, because rifles are what people could use to defend themselves from the government, right? So that's why they focus on the rifles, even though it makes up a tiny slice of, of uh, homicides with, with guns. You know, handgun is where it's at. Uh, but that's not what they're focused on. In fact, many big cities in the, in the past few years have stopped enforcing gun laws against handguns, right? They obviously don't care about gun violence or getting guns off the street. It's getting guns away from only certain people, not criminals, that they care about, right? So you can't, just like you can't believe Trump, you can't believe the media, you can't believe Fauci, you can't believe the Marxists. I mean, you can't believe these people. There's no connection necessarily between what they say and what they believe and what they actually do, right? So they hate Western civilization, but, you know, at this point, they're actually quite honest with us and saying that they hate Western civilization, right? They say Western civilization is oppressive and racist and built on colonialism, etc. So, you know, they're no longer pretending that they like Western civilization or that they like the Constitution, uh, etc. In this case, I think we can believe what they say because they act in accordance with it. I mean, remember, Karl Marx himself, as I think I've mentioned on the show before, he himself married a baroness from a billionaire family you know, their money would today's today's equivalent of money, they'd be you know, billionaires, you know, back then in the nineteenth century. His primary collaborator was at a super wealthy British industrialist, Engels, right? He never gave up his money, right? It, it's just phony. Marx is a phony. He worked on behalf of the billionaire class, like the equivalent of what the billionaire class was back then. And um, it's he was published by bourgeois newspapers, including the United States. You know, a fashion, you know, a radical chic type thing. He wasn't opposed to the to the rich. He was working for the rich. He literally married the rich. Um, so you can't, you know, it's none of this is real. Like nothing that you see is real. Politics is not real. The COVID stuff is not real. 
right? The media is not real. What the media sends is not real, right? It's all Hollywood. So you have to look at what you know, they're actually doing because they're very smart and very efficient, right? You can see that hatred and destruction is there for, for various reasons. And of course, an immediate goal, you know, the one that maybe conservatives can understand more immediately is simply power, right? The more, the less order there is, the less families, intact families there are, the less small businesses there are, the more easily the government corporate complex can control people, you know, control them through money, control them through fear. Um, and, you know, the ultra-rich don't care if there's high crime in the inner city. They don't live in the inner city. They don't go to the inner city, right? They can afford their own private army, <laughs> right? Um, and so, you know, breaking down the police uh, and creating chaos, I think also eventually they want to use this as an excuse for the federal government to take over everything, right, and impose that totalitarian or willing state to control the chaos and, and, and make people be willing to accept it because the local police and the state police can no longer control things because they've been so demonized and their budgets cut, uh, and et cetera. Well, yeah, I think the, the left has already proposed at various times nationalization of the police forces and certainly nationalization of voting, H.R. 1, which, of course, is why they're lying about Georgia. Uh, the Georgia election, uh, which simply <laughs> requires you to prove who you are, uh, get an ID, uh, and is less, less restrictive than many other states in terms of voting, including Delaware. It's way less restrictive than Delaware. And and the idea is if they can demonize Georgia, lie about Georgia, they have an excuse for supporting H.R. 1, convince people that the government needs to nationalize voting to protect people's voting rights. All a bunch of baloney. And, and, and what you say about hatred... It brings up that recent interview with the former vice president involved with the CDC, right? You mean the former vice president of Pfizer? I mean, former vice president of Pfizer. He was involved with the CDC. So Dr. Michael Yeadon is former vice president of of the Pfizer subdivision and uh, chief science officer with a career for 30 years, very distinguished scientist, research scientist into drugs, etc., and of course, Pfizer was the one who, you know, done one of the major COVID vaccines, right, here in, here in America. He's been talking about how the COVID narrative is, is lies and how uh, they're using it to control people and how dangerous the vaccines are and how the vaccines can very easily in the near future be used to kill people or to otherwise affect people because there's so little oversight and there's so little control. Well, he was talking about the potential danger and he's also talking about this idea that we need new vaccine shots for uh, uh, mutated uh, uh, viruses. Well, viruses always mutate. Why should this be different? And and I don't and he's made the point that if you, if you if the vaccine works, you don't need another shot. Right, he says that the, the mutations from from covid of covid the covid virus are so small, so minor that uh, there's no way that you wouldn't if you have immunity already through a vaccine or through having it and recovering. Uh, there's no way the new variants are a danger to you, right? So all the talk about how you need more, you know, top-up, like top-up vaccinations, like future vaccinations is nonsense. It's just to make more money and also perhaps inject things into people into the future that could be very harmful to them either deliberately or, or accidentally. So LifeSite News has an article about his interview. He was interviewed by uh, John Derbyshire on the Delling Pod, right, uh, podcast that's online you can can listen to a little over an hour 
And he's someone who, who's been on the inside for, had been on the inside for decades and really understands these things. And, and we know that, you know, he could be right because they're obviously up to something because they've been lying about this from the beginning. Uh, they've been uh, flip-flopping about this and that from the beginning. We know the vaccines have a very poor safety record so far. They have a so-so efficacy record so far. They are experimental officially, right? But they're trying to get people not in high-risk groups to take it, right? They're like, everyone should take it even if you're not at high risk. There's, it is not rational to take an experimental vaccine you know, unless you're at high risk. Right. Experimental in the sense that it hasn't gone through the usual testing procedures. Exactly. It's, right. it's been approved for emergency use. You're supposed to take it if it's an emergency, right? It will be at least until next year before we have enough data for, for the FDA to give it actual regular approval for regular use. Um, so, you know, we, we, we've seen all this going on with, you know, the destruction globally of so many people's standards of living. 150 million children put into poverty globally. Uh, you know, uh, these rising uh, the suicide rates and drug abuse and, and, and this and that, the destruction of small businesses, the fear-mongering, and then, the, you know, the demonization of anyone, including top world experts at Oxford, Harvard, Stanford, and elsewhere, that they descend from the narrative, the demonization of them, right? They're obviously, this is not about science, obviously not about public health. It's about something else, right? You have to think about what is that something else. Obviously about money, because they're making billions of dollars of profits from these vaccines, but it's it's got so many people involved and the government involved who are not making money from it, right? It's, it's about control and fear. And, and look, you know, it's again, it's, it's not a secret. Our, our rulers, Nonprofit foundations, rich businessmen, etc., government officials have been saying for decades that they believe that uh, many of them believe that a mass sterilization campaign globally is needed to save the earth from environmental degra- degradation. So they've been advocating global depopulation through mass sterilization for decades. Maybe this is how they're going to do it. They use the vaccine to sterilize people. That, I don't know that. That, that could but be. It's and there's one other thing. And that people should think about, the listeners should think about why the Obama administration has purposely uh, opened the borders, purposely allowing children to be abused and and uh, and and into this country without any 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 uh, supervision. And we're up against the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Joseph, for uh, sharing your insights. All right. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.